when I was maybe 10 years old, my dad took myself, my brother, my uncle, and I fishing. And if you've done much fishing, you know that you can, it's possible to go out and have all the right stuff, right gear and everything. You can fish all day and not catch anything. If you've been fishing, you, maybe you've experienced that. Hopefully you haven't experienced that, but most people have gone fishing quite a bit of experience that. But then there are those days when everything just comes together. And this particular day out on the lake was one of those days. We decided to fish on this rocky jetty that went out into the lake. And from the moment that our lines were out in the water, we were catching fish. It was wonderful. And before long, it just so happened that a family, perhaps they noticed, uh, a family came and, and started kind of parked themselves not just a few feet away from us. They were really pretty close to us, and it wasn't a crowded jetty. There were other places they could have fished, but they decided to fish right next to us, uh, just a few feet away. And although they were casting out their lines just about as far as ours were, and they seemed to be using a a similar approach as, as we were, ironically, they weren't catching any fish. And as they saw us catch more and more fish, they, they became, you could kind of tell they were getting frustrated, and, and, and they were changing their approach. You know, they're trying to figure out, they're maybe looking over at what we're doing. They're trying to figure out uh, what, what it was that they were doing and how it was that we were hooking so many fish. But no matter how much they tried to change and adjust, their experience did not change. And since we were really close to them, we could hear them talking, and we could tell that they were getting more and more frustrated. I mean, they were, they were right next to us but they were having a completely different experience than we were. We were there having an amazing time. We were getting our limits, basically, there on the lake that day, catching all these, all these fish. And the reason was, the reason why they weren't catching fish, I guess, and we were catching fish, is because my dad brought bait that the fish were hungry for. We were just throwing it out there, and they were eating it. It was great. Fishing is a lot of fun, when you know how to hook them, right? When, when you have the bait that, that the fish are hungry for and they are just jumping all over it, that's, a, that's an exciting thing. And the same is true when it comes to sharing our faith with other people. As follow, If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have an amazing story to tell people. I mean, we have a God who is willing to go to any lengths to save us, no matter what bad things you, you might have done or someone else might have done in their life. God is able to forgive those things. He's able to change us and make us right. He is for every one of us. He doesn't reject any one of us. We have an incredible story to tell as followers of Jesus. But the problem is, is that many Christians feel uneasy. Maybe you can relate to this. I know, I know I'm speaking from my own personal experience. We can feel uneasy or unmotivated to talk about Jesus for several reasons. Um, many people fear that maybe if they talk about their faith, they're going to be rejected. Like people just say, hey, I don't want to hear that. Um, please don't, don't tell me that. Maybe they'll be judged. Oh, do you think you're better than we are? Um, or, or maybe there's a possibility that as we tell our story, it will be misunderstood. Or maybe we'll open up our heart and share these, these experiences that are so wonderful to us, and it'll be perceived as just irrelevant. Like, okay, that's fine for you, but who cares, right? These, these are difficult things uh, for us to, to, to process, and so it keeps many people from sharing their faith. And so what happens is, is that many Christians find themselves in the uncomfortable place of knowing that we should share our faith, but we avoid doing it because we don't want to have a bad experience. So we're kind of stuck. To resolve this problem, I'd like to look at a teaching that comes from the life of Jesus, from the Gospels. 
from his ministry. And <clears throat> this teaching shows us <clears throat> how sharing our faith can actually be an amazing experience. Contrary to what some people may think, the goal of sharing our faith is not to see how many people we can get baptized. Now, baptism is a wonderful experience. Please don't get me wrong. But the goal is not to get a bunch of numbers so that we can feel good about ourselves. The goal is to be of service to other people. It's an incredible act of service when we share our faith. Why? Because we're giving people what they're really hungry for. The title of the message this morning is How to Hook Them. And so I'd like to pray before we open the Bible. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're coming to you because you are the great fisherman. You're the one that has won us, has drawn us to you. You're the one that calls us to draw other people to you. God, I pray that we would hear the words of life as we've just sung about. I pray that we would receive them and that you would equip us to pass them on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20. Here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, it talks about how Jesus chose his first disciples. The Bible records this, and in modern language, the word disciple simply means student, okay? You can think of when you, when you think of disciples, you, you can replace that with student to kind of get a maybe more modern feel, a uh, better understanding of what it's talking, what the Bible's talking about when it talks about Jesus' disciples. These were his students, but the expectations of a student in first century Palestine were very different from what they are today, much different from students today. Typically, students today have many different teachers, and even if a student is in a, a one-room uh, or one-teacher classroom or, or one-teacher school, um, even, even if they only have one teacher right now, as they continue on in school, almost certainly they will have multiple teachers. And we're okay with that because we understand that it, that it really helps to have many different teachers to be able to get a student ready for graduation. That's kind of the goal. We want for them to graduate, and when they graduate, the goal is to, that they will find a fulfilling career. <clears throat> However, in Jesus' day— a student, being a student was different. When a student became, sorry, when someone became a student of a Jewish rabbi, this student was expected to be devoted to this one teacher. It was a devotion to that one teacher. And, and it, it was expressed in different ways. If the teacher thought that something was important, then the student wouldn't say, well, I disagree. I don't really think that's it. No, no. If a student was a student of a rabbi, they would say, okay, teacher, if that is important to you, I therefore will accept it as important to me too. If the rabbi had a certain view or a certain way of looking at things, and that was different from the student's perspective, the student would adjust and adapt and accept the perspective of the rabbi. Now, typically, uh, sorry, let me back up here. So they would study under a rabbi, and and this meant gathering information. That was important. They they needed to learn that, but it it was so much more than memorizing the rabbi's words. That was certainly part of the, the expectation, but there was more than that. The goal of the education of a student, of a rabbi, was to become like their teacher, to become like their teacher in every way, and then to pass that on, pass on their teacher's way of thinking, their teacher's uh, way of living, pass that on to others. Typically, students would find a rabbi uh, by going out and, and looking for a teacher that they, they were particularly fond of. If they listened to a certain rabbi and they're like, oh, I want to be like that rabbi, they would, they would go to that rabbi and they would say, can I be your student? 
And then the rabbi would look at that student and say, oh, does this person have potential to become like me? And if the rabbi felt that the student did, then he would choose that student to be uh, part of his, his group. But in the case of Jesus, he went about selecting students very differently. Uh, notice what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus didn't wait for students to come seek him out. He went out and he chose his own students. He went out and selected them. He took the initiative. And it, but instead of going to the place in, in, where perhaps you know, young religious scholars were, were coming together and the brightest minds of Israel were, Jesus went to a lake to find his students. He went to a lake and he looked for people who were fishing. Although fishing was not a glamorous profession uh, in the time of Christ's Fishermen could make really good money, actually. Uh, financially, they were much better off than the, than the local poor farmers in the area or surrounding Galilee on the hillsides, working the, the hills there. They were, they were much better off financially. They were able to earn a good living, and some of them were even able to hire people. If you continue reading, you'll see that, that James and John, they, they, they worked for their father, and they had hired helpers. So, so they were doing well enough to, to hire their own employees. One of the reasons why fishing was, so, was such a good um, profession and, and had good money was that fish was a dietary staple among the people there in Galilee and in Palestine. It provided an affordable source of quality protein, and people relied on fish to get the nutrition that they needed. So as a result, fishermen enjoyed good job security. So when Je- here's the point. When Jesus called these men to drop everything and lead a completely new life to live the way he lived and, and to learn the way he taught them, to leave everything and just to have a new life, these men were, chances are, they were not looking for a change in profession. We get a sense of this in verse 18. It says that before Jesus called these men, they were casting their net. They were hard at work at their, their trade, their profession. These were skilled men. They weren't trying to figure out what they were doing in life. They weren't trying to find themselves. They knew what they were about. They were diligently working. They were diligently casting their net. The nets that they would have cast were kind of like a hoop net. Not a hoop net, but they would throw it out, and it would be a circle, and it had weights around the perimeter of it, and it would fall down over the fish, and then they would pull it in. Perhaps you've seen people fish like that. It's still done today. So they were doing that on this particular day. They're working hard. They're focused on their trade. They're, they're trying to be successful. And yet when Jesus calls them, even though they're devoted to their trade, they're working hard at it, when Jesus calls them, verse 20 says that they left their nets at once. That's what the New International Version says. Some other version says immediately they left their nets. In other words, they didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to deliberate and talk with their family about it. Without any hesitation, the Bible says they dropped everything and followed Jesus. Why is this? I wonder if we would have asked Peter and Andrew why it was, if they might not just say, well, Jesus was just really good at hooking them. 
Of course, Jesus didn't use manipulative tactics. He, he wasn't, that's, that's not what Jesus is about. He didn't use some trickery to make these men commit and just drop everything. There wasn't some flashy sales pitch. He didn't give some elaborate argument. All that the Bible says was he just came and gave an invitation. He just said, follow me. That's it. Follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. Just a simple invitation. These men could take it or leave it. But for these men, these, this simple invitation is all that was needed. And I would submit to you, this is the reason why. Because they were hooked. Sometimes people will joke that it's not so much the fish that are getting hooked, but those who are fishing. <laughs> Fishermen can get hooked. People who fish can get hooked on that. Someone who has been hooked by the sport of fishing will go to great lengths just to fish. I love this picture. You can almost see a smile on this guy's face. <laughs> he's in freezing water. It's snowing. He's out there, and he's just going after it. And, and I can relate to that. One of, one of my best experiences, I shouldn't say one of my best experiences, but a good experience that I had fishing one time was on January 1 here a few years ago. It was snowing, and I was out in the Rogue River, and I was throwing a line out there. And I was like, man, this is amazing. I was out there for a couple hours. I caught nothing, and it was still amazing for me. I have a problem. I'm hooked on fishing. But fisher, people who, who are hooked on fishing, they, they'll go to great lengths. They will spend large amounts of money to buy expensive boats and gear and, and bait and, and, and all kinds of different things, reels and rods. They'll handle slimy, smelly things to put on a hook. They will endure bad weather, swarms of mosquitoes. If you've been fishing, you know what I'm talking about. They will get up early so they can be there just at first light. And after all this, after all this trouble, they may not catch anything. But they keep on fishing. Why? Because they felt the tug on the end of that line. And they felt the adrenaline as they land that prize fish. They've had this incredible experience, and it keeps them going, seeking after more of that. Someone who's hooked on fishing has had a change take place in their way of thinking. They can hardly pass by a body of water driving down the road and wonder, I wonder if I could fish that. Why did they think this way? Because they are hooked <laughs> on fishing. To be hooked on something, there has to be some kind of significant positive experience. And that is exactly what these two men that we read about here in Matthew 4.18 had, what, what Peter and Andrew, what they had. Prior to Jesus' invitation on the shore of Galilee here in Matthew chapter 4, Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. And on one particular day, Andrew was standing with his rabbi, John the Baptist, listening to him, trying to follow his teaching, trying, trying, to, trying to emulate his lifestyle. And on one particular day, Andrew saw John the Baptist's face light up as this man walked by that Andrew didn't know. But John the Baptist pointed out to him, Behold the Lamb of God. And right there in that moment, Andrew knew that loyalty to his rabbi meant that he must leave his rabbi's side and go and learn from who this person is that, that John would identify as the Lamb of God, the Messiah. So Andrew goes 
he leaves John and he went to Jesus. And it tells us this in John chapter 1. Jesus invites him to come. He says, where are you staying? And and Jesus says, come and and join me. And it it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And here Andrew spends this afternoon with Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us what they said or what they did. But I imagine, knowing Jesus, that they probably enjoyed a meal together. And Andrew had the opportunity to hear Jesus speak and to be in the presence who is love personified. He had the opportunity to hear words of life that he had never heard before. And Andrew is just overflowing with enthusiasm for Jesus after spending time in Jesus' presence. He had this incredible experience with Jesus. So when it was time to go, Andrew returns home and he tells his brother Simon this experience. He said, we have found the Messiah. And as a result of this conversation, because Andrew talked about his experience with Jesus, the world has never been the same since. That's not hyperbole. Just think about it. But notice, notice that Andrew didn't know much about Jesus. He just spent an afternoon with Jesus. He, he didn't have any degrees. He didn't have any education. Chances are that our students at Rogue Valley Adventist Academy know far more than Andrew knew at this point about Jesus. But he simply told his brother his experience, and that was enough. The next thing John tells us is that Simon wants to meet Jesus. Now Simon's interested, Andrew's brother. And at that meeting, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. Peter, this this famous disciple, this leader among the leaders that, that followed, leader among the followers of Jesus, among the students of Jesus. Followers of Jesus today, you and I, we are indebted to Andrew because he shared his faith with Simon. A powerful leader, powerful leader in Jesus' church was hooked. And we are here today following Jesus because these men had an experience with him and they chose to talk about it. That's why we owe what we know right now, our experience, we owe it to these men who are willing to talk about their experience with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, there's an important sequence in Jesus' calling beside the lake of Galilee. First, Jesus says in verse 19, the first thing he says is, follow me. This literally means walk after me, follow in my footsteps, come really close behind me and follow close after me. Observe what I do, spend time with me, listen to my words, trust in me, talk with me. Have an experience with me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the first thing Jesus says to these men. Have an experience with me. And then the second thing is, and after that, I will send you out to fish for people. Literally, Jesus is saying, when we spend time with Jesus, when we have an experience with him, when we we know him, he changes us. He makes us into fishers of people. Now, when we get this sequence wrong, when, when we bypass the, the following Jesus, bypass the spending time with Jesus first, then witnessing becomes a forced activity. It's something that we have to psych ourselves up for when we skip the following Jesus part first and the sequence gets turned, turned around. When that happens, witnessing can be a frustrating experience, or you'll just give up on it entirely and and, and feel guilty that you're not witnessing more. 
But the Bible is not saying that. The Bible is saying that witnessing is not a forced experience. It's not something that we have to push ourselves to do. It is the result of being with Jesus. It's the result of an experience with him. Now, just to clarify this, although witnessing is a natural result of following Jesus, being with him, watching him, observing him, trusting him, and then we share the experience that we've had, this does not mean that there's no technique involved in our witnessing. When Jesus says, follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people, he's comparing sharing our faith with fishing. And the first disciples knew very well that catching fish requires skill. Yeah, there there needs to be a motivation and a desire, but it requires skill. It requires the right approach. Here are some approaches. As as we mentioned already, sometimes they would throw a net like this. That's what they were doing in Matthew chapter 4. But sometimes they would pull a net between two boats. It's called a drag net. It would would lower down into the water, and they would just pull it and just catch everything that was between the two boats. It would get in that net. And sometimes they would fish with a line. Now, they didn't have—probably didn't have rods back then, but they would have line, and they would maybe wrap it around a piece of wood or something, and they would throw it out. Different types of approaches, and depending on the the behavior of the fish, perhaps depending on the season, the circumstances, the time of day, they would have to skillfully select and skillfully use one of these approaches— They had to, otherwise they wouldn't be successful. And just as fishing requires skill, so also sharing our faith requires skill. But according to Jesus, he is the one that is responsible for developing this skill, for for developing this training in us. Listen to what it says. He says, follow me. He doesn't say, go figure it out and then come fishermen. No, he says, follow me. And in the following of Jesus, he makes us skillful in fishing for other people, and sharing our faith. He is the one who makes us fishers of men. That's literally, the the New International Version says, I will send you out. The literal word there is, I will make you. I will develop you into a fisher of people. So if you look at your life, you say, I'm not really a, you know, someone who shares their faith. We spend time with Jesus, and he will change us. That's where it comes from. Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, explains what this looks like, this following Jesus and him developing the skills of being fishers of people. Listen to what she says here. Or look at what she said. Put it up on the screen. Christ's method alone, some of you are familiar with this, with, with this statement, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior, first of all, look at how he started off. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. Who wouldn't want to have a friend like that? Someone who is in your presence desiring your good. That's how Jesus started off. He approached people by just mingling with them, talking to them, becoming their friend, desiring their good. He showed his sympathy for them. He felt what they were feeling. He ministered to their needs and won their confidence. And then he bade them. Then he invited them. Follow me. Jesus knows how to fish for people. He knows how to do this. And he shows us how to do that. If we spend time with him, he will show us how to interact with others as one who desires their good, as the one who provides for our needs. When our needs are met, we can be fully present for other people. Jesus does that for us when we spend time in his presence. Jesus shows us how to listen to other people, how to feel what other people are feeling. He shows us how to win the confidence of others through genuine relationship with others. And he shows us when the right time is for us to say, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? 
He shows us how to do that. At every step, sharing our faith is about following Jesus. It's about following Jesus. Why? Because people don't need what we have to give. People need Jesus. That's what they're hungry for. What's naturally in my heart, people have plenty of that in their heart. (laughs) They have plenty of selfishness. They have plenty of anxiety and fear and anger and resentment. That, That naturally comes up. My heart is just a wellspring for that. People don't need any more of that. What people need is Jesus. We follow him, and he makes us fishers of people. Anyone who knows about fishing knows that you can be in the right place at the right time. You can have the right approach. You can have skill. You can have the right thing on your hook that the fish are hungry for, and you still will not catch anything. It's possible to have all those things going for you and not catch a thing if you scare the fish. If you scare them, they're not going to bite. They're gone. And fish get scared when they see people. It's true. If people are splashing in the water, they might have an enjoyable time at the lake, but chances are they're not going to catch any fish. (laughs) The same is true in sharing our faith. If we make sharing our faith all about us, what do we like to do? What do we want to do? Well, we might have a good time talking about certain things or doing things a certain way. But if we make sharing our faith about us, it's not going to turn out very good. People might get snagged. They might get wounded by our efforts, but they won't be caught by Jesus. We need to stay out of the picture. A good fisher, fisherman, fisherwoman, whatever you want to say, someone who fishes, who is good at it, knows that the fish, that the person fishing needs to stay out of sight. If we sh- and this is how we do it. If we share what Jesus has done for us, we talk about Jesus, we share our experience with Jesus, then people will be drawn to have an experience themselves. If we get in there and start giving advice, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, and it's unwar- it's, it's, they're not asking for that kind of advice. They're, they're, they're just like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do. Well, you need an experience with Jesus. If we come like that, oftentimes we get to be the center of attention. But if we share the experience that Jesus has given to us, it inspires people to have that for themselves. Now, this message is not just for evangelists. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for elders. It's for every follower of Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. Follow me. If that is your desire, if your desire is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, this message is for you. It's for me. Although knowing the Bible— Having answers when people say, so why is it that you keep the Sabbath? Why is it that you believe this way? Having answers, that's helpful, but it's not essential. It's not essential. The one thing that is needed to be a witness for Jesus, the one thing that is needed to share your faith, is an experience with Jesus. This is what witnessing is. Witnessing is simply sharing what Jesus has done for you. Do you know what it's like to trust Jesus with troubles in your life? Do you know what it's like to be overwhelmed and to go to Christ in prayer and to, sense, and to have this sense of peace that he's going to take care of this? Do you know that? Do you know what it's like to receive his forgiveness and experience his joy? Are you aware of what that's like? Do you know what it's like to praise him for providing for you when you pray to him, even though you haven't seen the answer, you're just stepping out in faith, and I'm just going to praise you, I'm just going to enter into that moment, God, because you are good. If you know what that is like, if you've felt the tug of his love on your heart, then do someone a favor. 
and share your experience with them. And if you don't know what it's like, Jesus is welcoming you. He's calling you. He's saying, would you like to have peace that you've never had before? Would you like to have joy? Would you like to be able to end the duplicity in your life of knowing what is right, of having these values, and not being able to do it, living a different life? Would you like to have that resolved? Would you like for Jesus to help you overcome habits that mess up your life? Jesus is welcoming you. He wants you to have that experience. Yes, sharing your faith may not be received well. It may be misunderstood. People may judge us. But when we share our experience with Jesus— it is, a, it is an act of loving service. It's a beautiful thing for us to do. Because when we share our experience with Jesus, we're sharing something that people are really hungry for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for taking the initiative, just like you did with these men on that lake, coming into our lives and inviting us to be able to experience your life, not to just learn a knowledge of your teaching, but to experience this. God, I want to thank you for the experiences that you've given to us. And I pray that we would desire more experiences, new, fresh experiences that we can just share with people that can be part of our conversation. May we follow Christ in every way, mingling with people, sympathizing with them, and following your lead as to when to to invite them to follow you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of this incredible work this incredible experience. Thank you that we can be hooked on you. In Jesus' name, amen.